You're listening to the regular podcast from Pete the Vet's blog. This was first broadcast on East Coast FM. Pete Weatherburn, our vet is here from yeah. Brave Vet, and he's got this huge emporium straight from California onto the old Connor uh, <laughs> Road because he's got a separate building for cats and dogs and everything. Interestingly, my, my horses. My, my, my daughter's in San Diego. She's in California at the moment, and um, she went out there in a J1, and um, she got a job pretty much the same day she arrived, just by going and looking around and the place she's got a job is is a pet care centre which is fascinating because it's like it's done the Californian way which is quite different to how we do it in Ireland so it's like it's big centre which combines it's not a vet it's um, pet grooming but it's also pet daycare so basically all the people do is they, they, a crash for dogs it's like it? a crash but there's also grooming oh, as, it's grooming as well um, and also they, they have a section for self grooming so you take your pet along you do it yourself with some assistance there like my daughter presumably who, who help you through the process of, of doing your own dog so it's just like this big centre where happy people and happy pets go and it's just fascinating to me it's just it's like it's like Ireland might be in 20 years time I suppose right gear yourself up have you enough land <laughs> to expand there on Old Connor oh yeah. there's always potential <laughs> Isn't there? The there's Empire always, there's continues. Anyway, Pete, uh, you'll probably know from TV3 as well, and he writes in the uh, People newspapers, and uh, you can hear all his uh, musings about whatever on PeteTheVet.com. But he's here uh, this morning. Thanks for coming in, Pete. Now, to answer your questions, a couple here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete, have stopped feeding the birds, as I've seen both a rat and a mouse in my garden. It's not domestic pets, but at the same time, it's to do with animals. Is there any way uh, to catch these particular uh, rats and mice without killing them? Uh, Anything they find noxious apart from poison have used bleach in areas where they are, but this has not discouraged them. It's very difficult. And, you know, we... Many people see themselves as animal lovers, generally, but when it comes to rats and mice, they can't stand them, and they just want to get rid of them. Um, and it, it, it's, it's a very difficult area. I think that, yes, you can get humane um, mice and rat catchers, but the question that you then have to deal with is, well, what are you going to do with them once you've trapped them in these little boxes? You know, where are you going to take them that they can live their happy lives out without annoying somebody else? Um, and... I remember Jerry Ryan telling a story once. A listener phoned in with a saga about how they caught a mouse and they took it to Phoenix Park to release it and they, they took it to a big field and they opened the, the trap and they let the mouse out. And as they watched, a magpie swooped down, picked up the mouse and carried it away in its beak, you know? So, like, that is what nature does. Um, you know, a- animals' lives... Are, have have a have a different value to to what we might put on them, and they're here and then they're not here. So if you've got a problem with mice and rats, the the best advice really is to try to prevent them from being attracted to your garden. So if you're feeding the birds, then use some sort of bird feeder that doesn't spill food all over the ground beside the feeder. Like niger seed. Do they like niger seed? Because they seem to just come down onto the floor, you know, because birds are messy. Yeah, well, they are. But you could, but you can set up a tray beneath the bird table or something to catch the, the bits falling off. There's ways you can do it. Um, or there's types of feeding you can use that are less likely to spill. Um, 
But, you know, trying to get rid of the mice and rats is difficult. Uh, um, people often use poison. I don't really like that idea because I, I see dogs and cats that have been poisoned and I can say that it's... A, strychnine it's, is something, isn't it? Or? Well, there's lots, lots of different poisons you can use. Not normally strychnine. Normally they're anticoagulants these days. But I've seen animals die of anticoagulants and it's an unpleasant way to die because they bleed internally. Nice. Yeah. They bleed internally so they suffer. So, um, although it seems more, 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 more violent and upsetting to, to witness, I think a traditional mouse trap or rat trap where they get a sudden sharp blow out of the blue to the back of their neck and then it's all over without them even realising it um, of course when people use those traps then they, ha they, they very rarely witness those unfortunate times when a mouse get, might get caught by the tip of its nose or, or by a one leg or something but those occasions are very rare most often it's a very very humane way of ending their lives and I would say it's probably more humane than catching a mouse and releasing it into an area which it doesn't know anything about, um, where it'd be vulnerable to, 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 to prey by, um, goodness only knows, birds, dogs and cats, do you know? Right, so what could you say? I mean, this listener has this the problem at the moment. Mm. Uh, at, the, at the moment, well, I mean... I mean, it's affecting feeding the birds. Uh, or does is there any relation... Do, do the rodents come in because there is bird seed? Yes, that's why. Rodents, Definitely. Absolutely. Rodents go where there's a food source. They're very good at tracking down food sources. How they do that, I don't know. They're very clever, aren't they? But they pick up the scent, um, obviously, of, of, of available food, and they're hungry, and so they, they go there, and, they, and then they breed, and so there's more of them, and there's more of them, there's more of them. So the, that's why I say the best thing is to prevent there being something to attract them in the first place. That's the, the long-term answer. Um, in the short term, yes, she can indeed go and buy a humane mouse trap and see if she can catch the mouse and release it somewhere. But I would actually be saying to her, look, you may paradoxically be more humane to use a standard mouse trap and and you know if they're, if they're causing you a problem then that i think may be the kindest way of of resolving the problem it's, it's difficult though same thing with rats is yeah. there such such a thing as a rat trap like a humane rat trap and there's 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 rat i mean they're just bigger versions of the mouse traps aren't they? are rats dirty um, no, mice I don't dirty. <laughs> well, you know, don't uh, mice just leave droppings around the place? They leave droppings. They're a bit. I would call them um, unhygienic, but not carrying nasty diseases. Generally, rats, of course, in their urine can carry leptospirosis or Viles disease, which is a nasty illness. So rats would be more. Um, dangerous to humans, if you like, than, 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 than mice would be. But even then, as long as you're sensible about, you know, storing food hygienically and, you know, as long as there aren't rats crawling around your kitchen, you're not really likely to have an issue. If they're in your garden, they're unlikely to be able to cause you a problem. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, if I was in that situation, I think I would take an approach of clearing up any spilt food and, you know, allowing time to pass and the, and the rodents will move on in time. That's the way it works. Mm. Right, because it's middle of the summer, so... Yeah, there's plenty of other food yeah. sources. Yeah, so, you know, they'll be All fine. All right, I hope that was satisfactory. Uh, to ask the vet, please, uh, what age do kittens need to be uh, neutered? Kittens. Uh, do you neuter kittens? Uh, I have two nine-week-old kittens. Okay, well, when, when you get kittens that... I suppose there are there, there's three things that you really ought to be doing with them. The first thing is getting them vaccinated, and normally two vaccines are given from at nine weeks and at twelve weeks. That's a standard thing. And so you go along to the vet, the vet checks the kitten over and does the vaccinations. Now, 
the good thing is that that opportunity is, is there for the vets to also explain to you about the other two important things for kittens. And those are worming, because kittens need to be regularly wormed because they can carry worms that can be passed on to humans. Very rarely, but it can happen. So you need to worm kittens regularly. And the vet will also advise you about neutering, neutering and spaying, which is definitely the best thing for kittens. Um, the time when it's done depends on the vet. Some vets are doing it as young as four months of age now, which is just like a month from now. Um, but the traditional time to, to spay and neuter kittens is when they're around six or seven months of age. And a lot of vets still... So not in the weeks, nine that. weeks. It's too young for that just now. But it's not too young to go to the vet to have vaccinations and worming and to have a discussion about neutering and how, what's involved. Right. Now's the time to do that. Okay. Uh, a texter here says we have an electronic or electric mouse trap which electrocutes the mice when they enter. What's that? Now, have you heard of those? Um, I've, I've heard of them. I've, I haven't seen them in action. I don't know how. I, I'm a bit anxious about them because if it's strong enough to kill a mouse effectively, surely it's kind of dangerous for, for humans. I'd worry about that at least. I'm sure they've got safety systems built into them. But it's, you know, I, I, w I wouldn't really see the benefits of that compared to a traditional mousetrap right. blow to the back of the neck. Uh, we have a device where you plug it into the wall, it makes the noise of a dominant male. The noise, I haven't heard of that before. I've heard of the ultrasonic ones, which... Might be, might be that, is they, it? They miss a, a really high-pitched sound that we can't hear, but apparently mice and rats don't like the sound. So just as you or I wouldn't go into a, a building with a a really loud, unpleasant noise coming out of it. Neither do the mice or rats go into the building with the ultrasonic, un ultrasonic noise. Um, although, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I wouldn't be convinced that they're as effective as perhaps they, they, they claim to be. Um, some people find them useful. All right, mm. okay. That's, and that, that's, that's completely humane because it's repelling them, if you like, rather than doing anything to them in a, in a physical sense. Yeah, it's our vet, Pete Weatherburn, here at 0877 uh, Pete, I've got uh, two dogs, one that reacts to pictures on the television and barks at people and barks at faces and the other doesn't even seem to see it. What the perception of television, perception of, I suppose, mirrors, those sort of things as well. well what's your take? I think it's really interesting. Um, I mean, the truth is we don't know really why animals react so differently because we, they can't talk to us and explain what's going on. But I remember seeing myself a, a programme on telly about uh, some tribe remote tribe on some island somewhere who'd never seen telly before and they were shown telly and they couldn't see any images at all on it at first they could you know they were looking at the telly and wondering what the heck's that and then it was like their brain did a kind of after a while and somebody explained to them what was going on and then they went oh yeah oh i, I can get see it, it. Now. it's so like it's those psychological pictures where you can see a man and a woman yeah uh, at the same time or somebody looking left and somebody looking right uh, it's that's two right pictures in one is that sort of thing is so it? so, uh, so I, th I think that images on television and mirrors once you get it it's really obvious and some animals obviously really get it and if you can't get it then it just looks like a, a, a um a blur really nothing of interest so I mean, the reaction to television is particularly interesting because some animals definitely sit there and watch television as just like humans do, and they're clearly enjoying even the story. You know, they <laughs> <laughs> they do. On, no, I know I know dogs that recognise the sound of soap themes, and they'll run to the television and bark at it to be turned on. Then they'll sit there with their owners watching the soap. <laughs> now, possibly it's also because the owner has a cup of tea and a biscuit, and the dog gets a little bit of biscuit. <laughs> dogs aren't stupid. But what about you know? When 
they see a face or they see another animal or they hear a dog barking or something. Oh, they react to all that. It's, they, uh, animals, de- they, well, I think it's the sound perhaps more than the, the, the sight which really gets animals going. Um, and the... Um, sound of, of animals on television certainly gets all my animals in the house to get them excited all right in fact in the daily telegraph today they've 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 got a series of of short videos of how animals react to seeing themselves in mirrors what happened was some photographers deliberately set up this huge mirror you know it's like a wall it's a really big mirror and he put it in the jungle somewhere and so you can see a gorilla coming up and trying to beat up his image in the mirror and you can see a cheetah and various creatures and how they how they how they react when they see themselves. Um, it's very interesting and very amusing. I think we all love it, don't we, when we put animals in situations where they're a little bit challenged to, to <laughs> kind of to see, like, just every time it teaches us that little bit more about how they react and, and how they compare to ourselves. But I think that the, over, the overriding new thing in, the, in my life as a vet in the past 30 years has been... Um, this understanding that animals are much more like us than we used to think. When I qualified as a vet in the mid-80s, animals were thought to be just a bunch of reflexes with not really much going on otherwise. Whereas nowadays it's well recognised that their brain is pretty much the same as ours. They don't do as much worrying or thinking about the future, but otherwise they are the same as us. So, you know, if they look sad, then they're sad. If they look happy, then they're happy. And, you know, if they react to things that look like... Um, we would look if we were reacting to something, then they almost certainly are feeling the same way and having the same experience. So that's a big change in the way that we see animals, and I think it's all for the good. Better understanding of our of our animal okay. friends. Now, the questions are coming in now, and we're sort of running out of time, but uh-huh. let's do two quick ones here. Just having house painted, how can I stop the dogs peeing on the walls as soon as I open the back door to let them out? Help! Well... Oh, on the, on the outside of the it house. Must, it must oh, be the right. outside. Yeah, yeah, I only realised that when I was reading it there. Just having the house painted, uh, mm. how can I stop the dogs peeing on the walls as soon as I open the back door to let them out? So presumably there's a new smell they want to replace. Yes, absolutely. And dogs... Amateur vet me, yes? Yes, you're right, Declan. <laughs> and, and, and that's where dogs like to go, it's just outside. Um, <clears throat> a physical barrier is the only thing I can think of because, you know, they're going to... It's what they do. It's what they like to do. Um, Put their so, own smell on things. Yes, they Take do. away and, the paint smell. And, and if they, they may be used to going there before the house is painted. It just mightn't have mattered as much because it wasn't nice, fresh paint. Uh, so putting up some sort of, uh, I don't know, like a, a picket fence or, or some, just a, a temporary barrier of some kind, even just, you know, you know how every garden's got some things like old toy cars and uh, benches and things. I put some of those up around the back of the house so that the animal can't physically get to the wall. Otherwise, I think it's just going to be impossible to stop them. Okay. Uh, we have a seven-month Springer. She pulls on the leash. Any advice would be appreciated? Yeah, it's really common. Um, it is, unfortunately, just down to consistent training. To, to get a dog to behave properly, first of all, you need to go to a professional dog trainer because you can't view yourself objectively and you can't correct the mistakes you're making. You need to have somebody advise you on how to do it. Otherwise, you know, it's, it, you can't do it. But secondly, once you've gone through the initial training, you do have to spend about 15 minutes every day, not all at once, but spread out through the day, 15 minutes a day of training your dog, of going through the paces repeatedly. And it's incredibly painstaking and boring because you have to repeat and repeat and repeat but if you if you just um go out on a leash and expect your dog to walk beside you nicely 
he's not going to do that because there's all these exciting things ahead of you and you know, that's where he wants to be in, in the middle of those exciting things and why are you holding him back so it's down to you know like I say repeated training repeated, repeating boring repeating. training and with a bouncy springer especially nobody's saying it's easy it's very very difficult all right. And uh, that's it, Pete, except for two comments. Uh, we had a terrier that howled at the music for Coronation Street, uh, then uh, used to lie down again. Uh, <laughs> from James. Another one, just listening to Pete, my dog, uh, who is uh, Puggle. Sits, uh, what would that, should, should that be? Maybe As a pug and a beagle. Yeah, okay. Uh, sits watching the television and knows the first bar of the tune for Coronation Street. As she knows, there'll be a cat jumping off the roof, <laughs> leaps up from the chair and barks like mad. Okay. Uh, my mother and father had, this is one just come in, and my mother and father have a dog and they watch Vincent Brown every night. And as soon as the music at the end plays, uh, the dog gets up, heads for the door to go to bed. So yeah. that's the cue. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We'll return to this again. Pete Weatherburn from Brave Vet. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. And you can hear this broadcast again, all those little stories on PeteTheVet.com. Thanks, Pete.